Yo, I hope you are all great. I'm really pleased that you are joining us for another Codrance talk. We were talking about anything related to the IT industry, software craftspersonship, and the people who built it. I'm Fran Avila, software craftsperson at Codrance Spain, and I will be your host for today. Today we are going to talk about TDD and testing anti-patterns. Testing practices have increased its adoption by developers shifting left the test responsibilities and increasing the quality of the code. Besides that, continuous testing in an agile practice that impact the software development lifecycle. We are going to dive uh, to dive into what they are and how to avoid them to keep your test suite sharp. To talk about the why, what, and how, we have today some incredible people joining us to the table. Mauricio Nietzsche is Tech Academy Lead at ADN and Assistant Professor at Delft University of Technology. Sorry if I mispronounced some of the Dutch names here. And he has a vast experience in the academic world and he's publishing his third book. This one will be published with money. What will be the book about? Hi, Fran. Hi, everyone. So uh, I'm super excited to be here. And indeed, I have a new book that will be published by Manning. The title is Effective Software Testing. And the book is all about you, uh, how you can design good tests. And by good tests, I mean tests that actually find bugs. So if you're curious, just wait a little bit and the book is almost there. Cool. Thank you for being here. I I'm sure that we have a lot to add to the conversation. So moving on, Francisco Clement Perez, uh, R&D software engineer at uh, Conesberg Maritime and as a contractor training consultant, he has uh, developed a big part of his career with hardware, firmware and embedded system, which is a different approach to what we used to do. How different is testing on embedded system compared with a regular internet web app system? Well, uh, think of thank thank to you all. Uh, I will say that the main difference is that uh, our dependencies is the hardware is something that is physical that you can touch and you can wait, right? I think this is, this is the only and the only difference, nothing else. But you know, we have lots of things to overcome that are different in the embedded world, more or less. Cool. Thank you. I, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure that your different approaches is uh, it will be add a lot of value to that. So moving on, Elena Borsenko, full stack developer at the Adeco Group. She's extremely experienced developer, but also a community star. And you can see any of her multiple talks and videos at the TD conference and on the JetBrains TV, etc. Linking to one of your talk, uh, what will be the main misconception you have found in your career about TDD? Oh, um, I would say two. I really, really uh, saw them many times. 100% code coverage. And uh, one of my favorites is uh, uh, when we write all the tests at once and then we write <laughs> the logic. So it's like basically the only thing you need to uh, to suffer and hate testing. There's like two things. So yeah, that's the uh, most common I saw in my career. Thank you for being here. I'm pretty sure that uh, these misconceptions will lead to some of the anti-patterns that we will have in the in the table today. So um, finally, we have with us uh, Mateus Marabesi. Mateus is a software craft person at Codurance with vast experience in development, TD, and test automation. I strongly recommend you to watch his talks uh, all over the internet, YouTube, and Twitch, everything. So hi, Mateus. 
hello from so hello everyone um really a pleasure to be with all of you here uh it's kind of weird as well because i'm used to to listen to the podcast myself and now i'm in the podcast with uh awesome people so thanks for having me and uh yeah that's interesting the last uh thing that uh olena said uh yeah let's let's talk about this uh a bunch of things about sub subjects that uh can bring a lot of uh, conversation going on. Vamos. Okay, so uh, I'm very happy to have uh, all of you here. So let's uh, crack it. I would like to start with uh, what can we call as an anti-pattern on CD testing? So let me let me start uh, with this one and then uh, I think I can, can open. At least from, from the last um, conversations that I had and also the videos that I, I, I used to, I used to I watch. I see the anti-patterns being uh, something that, uh, in this context, the te the testing right uh, to write to to have the test is something that stops you or makes uh, the activity of writing tests more difficult or gets into your way when you want to to de develop something. So, for example, one video that uh, reminds me is one from Dave Farley that he uh, he talks about those anti-patterns and the the video that he in the video, uh, the video is titled um, "When TDD Goes Wrong," and he goes uh, along these these lines, uh, of course. So I think this is uh, uh, something that uh, we can take into account. At least for me, this is uh, a way to to start with. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Actually, it's um, like you know, when it's more harmful <laughs> than it's actually helping. And uh, um, I guess that even if you would have a look at the names of anti patterns, like even most popular, you already can see that it's like nothing good is playing there. Um, I do, I do um, have a big couple of ex uh, like examples of these harmful things. It's um, um, liar, liar pattern, for example. Many times uh, there was a situation when I was opening the test and I was, I wanted to know what is, what is this about? What is the code? doing and usually our test it's a documentation right so we kind of uh, can read something out of it i read great i, I understand everything what is working i'm ch making changes i'm running my um, test and it's just completely different like situation it doesn't work as expected at all and it does it's not coming like that fast to you that it's something wrong going wrong you try and try and try and try and hours hours and only after you realize ah, okay something went wrong so yeah i think maybe uh, you also had a couple of examples what, what what do you think that is the main reason for the liar anti-pattern why why is produced um i think first of all uh, we all have i mean not all but a problem with naming <laughs> and everyone has different contexts someone more experienced in the industry someone no like this kind of uh, confusion could be also, laziness, like when we refactor, move things around, change something, we not always uh, remember to change the name and that kind of things. And sometimes, not sometimes, many times I actually heard the opinion that names are not important. Like, could be one, two, three, four, five. Fine. Good enough. Um, yeah, I disagree with this and I, I'm a big fan of uh, beautiful core and, and nice naming, so... Yeah, for me, I think when you also have a test that doesn't really test what you want, uh, this can be caused by the complexity of what you're trying to test. So if you have something super complex and not really designed to be tested, 
you're going to do what you can, which means maybe, you know, your assertions will be super weak. Maybe you're just going to call, you know, this huge method that runs a job that goes to the cache and to the database. And then all you can do is to see if it crashes or not. Right. And then, yeah, your code starts to change and then your tests are suddenly not really testing what you really wanted it to test. Um, yeah. So that's how I kind of see, you know, the reason for those tests to happen. Yeah. It's, I agree with, with you, uh, in, in my experience, uh, mostly comes from test later approaches. When you go for a test first, you have, uh, at least you should, you should have a, a, an early warning that something is going wrong. Right. But when you go to test later, you have nothing at all at all. You are facing to, okay, what, the, what do I, what do I have to do in order to test that code? And you are more focused in how to do it and, and instead of asserting what you want. So. One of the very first things that uh, I tell to do is a search first. So even if you are doing a test later, you go to the assertion first because you are going to be lost soon. Also, I see uh, a lot of people saying that the chasing to test coverage is one of the reasons for that. I was, I was just about to say the same. Like I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I will say that I have a strong opinion about that. Uh, I'm not, uh, let's say, a... Uh, I'm pragmatic, but I have a strong opinion. And I think that is not a change into test coverage is another thing. I think that we have a lack of professionalism or cultural problems behind of that. It's not uh, chasing for test coverage. Also, I think it could be not that much about the coverage itself, but for example, deadlines or, you know, like numbers on the project, like we need to exactly. graphics and then uh, we need coverage right now and developers just sitting like copy paste, copy paste, doesn't matter what's the names. It's reality. It's also happening. And it's happening quite often. I mean, I've been through the same. Yeah, I'm with all of you that sometimes uh, test coverage, is, it uh, became a vanity metric and there's something that uh, add no value and everyone is just, as you say, just putting putting tests there that, that, that just are not testing anything. And... Uh, um, also, one thing that came to my mind for something that Mauricio says, I think they're pretty interesting, that is when you have a complex system and you are trying to increase coverage and everything, and uh, uh, in this complex system that you need to add, uh, to go to the cache, so then you start to use mocks. So what do you think about mocks? Is uh, it's an anti-pattern to use mocks or, or they are not? I do like those tests when everything is just mocked and you're basically just testing how mocks working. I saw that quite quite a lot of them like quite often and uh, unfortunately I don't I don't think that it's like anti anti button completely. Sometimes you do need to mock something, but when you have like everything in mocks, this is a, like a warning, like but a red card, you know. I mean Dicky Mauricio has some something to, to add here. But uh, using mocks, I, I think um, it's not an anti-pattern, but I think asserting, uh, trying to just uh, asserting on them just for, for the sake of asserting, I think that can lead to, to another, another extent uh, for that. But I think that sometimes mocks, uh, we need mocks, right? So uh, sometimes to, to trick the system behavior, even when they, they are complex, I think they, they are needed. But also on the, the coverage, I think that uh, we see this as ended pattern, but uh, sometimes you can use that uh, in your favor, right? So I don't, th I don't know. Do you think that we have something uh, that the coverage can help us to, to follow up on or find bugs or something like that? Regarding mocks, I think it also depends on, on how you like to 
to approach software development, right? So I am a mockist, a mockist by heart. So I like mocks. And if I'm, you know, coding a class and then I need some information that will come, say, from a database, it would I prefer to die than to, you know, go to the database to do this test. And for me, it's just natural to then mock it. But of course, it is really challenging when you start to mock things. You really have to decide what to mock, what not to mock, when to go for a bigger test. You know, you want to exercise two or three classes together instead of mocking things around. And I think it's just so hard to take this decision in practice. Uh, but I do see a lot of value in, in, in mocking. So, so based on what you say, you are talking about mocking like at uh, unit testing, but uh, would you continue to mock in, at integrating some part of the system or in the moment that you are integrating different components, you will remote the, the whole mocks? Yeah, I think it really depends. So if I have a lot of control over my infrastructure, let's say the database belongs to me, I would just use my database into my integration testing. But for example, if I'm integrating with something I don't control, let's say a bank, maybe I will mock the bank even in, in bigger tests. I think it really depends on, on yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> can you write good tests, tests that, I, that you can trust that will, you know, run every time and the results will be the same? Can you control the other side of the thing? Because you need control, right? Because you expect, you know, the bank to return always the same thing for your tests. So I think all those things you should take into account when, when deciding to mock at higher levels. In the end, is the, if the, the trust, right? Um, so, I mean, uh, do, you, do you have the feedback that you, you expect to have or do you have trust? Uh, on that, I think uh, if we're thinking about mocks or like integration that we are talking about, I see that sometimes we need, uh, we don't need, uh, we need to mock. Uh, for example, I see some, some sometimes mocking uh, as a way to increase, let's say, if you have some uh, te suite, a test suite that takes longer to run, sometimes uh, you can just try to reduce uh, the, the time that is running, trying to, to mock things out, so the dependencies that take too long, and, and etc. But still, I think, yeah, that's a, a trick question, like uh, if you should do or not. I think in the end, uh, in the end, it would be a, a mix of both. Uh, I, th I think I can say that um, when I like the amount of mocks also kind of important because it's um, also could be a case that you have to spend like I don't know quite a lot of time to mock everything uh, and it's uh, really like just blown blown away and what kind of value you have from this test if there's like uh, many 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 variables like cases rules and like this is just too big becoming, you know, like if, if there's a couple of dependencies, it's one thing, but if you need to spend half an hour to set up everything and for every test like this. Then... Yeah. And, by, and by the way, uh, so, uh, sorry on that, uh, by the way, there is a, a anti-pattern that is called excessive setup that exactly describes this, like exactly that. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Hard setup. Yeah. If I can also say something else about mocking. So for me, the, the trick in writing a good uh, test is to make sure your test exercises what you want and it's not really bothered by other details, right? So I'm going to give an example that is really close to my heart right now. So our application uses a lot of caching, and but in most of our tests, we don't care if the information comes from the cache or, it, or if it comes from the database. So the caching is something that for me should naturally be mocked, right? Or should not be part of what I'm trying to test in most of the cases. And for me, the only way I see this is to, you know, well, mock the cache. Otherwise, I would have to 
put the cache up, you know, my test will naturally become flaky because, you know, cache fails from time to time. So you don't have a lot of control on this. So I think it's also about this, making sure that you're also making your test to test what you want and not more than that. I agree with you. I agree with all of you. Um, regarding to, for example, if we go to mocking in the embedded, uh, the approach that we have followed, my uh, my colleagues, and at the beginning when we started to testing, you know, it's something that is very, unfortunately, is not so spread in some areas of the embedded world because we do a lot of debug, debugging. So. Fran, you asked me which is the difference between an embedded and an embedded. So if we talk, if we go to the example that Mauricio was putting out about the reaching the database, and when we talk about the embedded systems, touching the hardware is reaching our database. It's the same. So at the beginning, we, we started to mock really all the collaborators for a single module or the, the unit under tests. But that leads to a highly coupled to implementation tests that do, that uh, well, uh, <laughs> cause it to us a lot of uh, pain. And our approach now is to try to do not mock anything until the end when we are reaching the, the gateway, let's say, the gateway of the, for the database or the to the hardware, and only use mocks or collaborators or test doubles on modules that are very complex. You know, if they are very complex. Another kind of, of test double that or mock, I, I, I am standing to the test doubles, that it's useful, and I think Mateus has pointed out, is the fake object, right? The fake object is one of the best things in order to accelerate or to speed up your tests, right? If you are testing something that is not related with the outcome of some module that takes a, a long time to execute, mock it, yeah, replace it with anything, and go ahead. In our case, we are using this a lot. Mm -hmm. Just one question, uh, if I see understand. So when you say like uh, you you try to isolate uh, different parts of the hardware, how how do you do that? Uh, you mean like the the chip itself, or how how, how the how would that work? Uh, yeah, it's interesting um, to me. Yeah, there is no re in reality. This this is very it's like magic, right? When when you say it, it's like yeah yeah. I, I, even for for us, right? And when I try to to explain to some people. Um, at the end of the road, this is, a, is, a, is an application of the separation of concerns, right? One thing is, what do you want to write and where do you want to write? So interacting with the hardware means writing in certain area or certain memory space. And you can, uh, you can uh, put a, an interface between of that, in the middle of that, right? And that's the, that's the key. I can imagine that uh, isolating different components also could help to keep your tests like in smaller pieces. I can imagine if you will try to cover everything, it's going to be like uh, giant tests, which like with super complicated flow, which is uh, also like uh, what else you was talking before about excessive setup test anti-pattern. And I was kind of thinking about this giant test anti-pattern as well and kind of like <laughs> made a circle back to it. Yep. Mm. With uh, the excessive setup, something that uh, uh, happened to in a company that I was uh, um, uh, working with, uh, just to, to see your point of view on that, um, we have uh, uh, at the beginning really big setups, 
So mainly to have all the configuration of the data, to use the cache, like uh, Mauricio said, to emulate the cache. So we put all the data there. And then uh, we start to reuse that data between the different tests to, to reduce the, the setup. But it's, this is other anti-pattern when you are reusing the data and making a connection between the different uh, tests. So in that case, how can we solve that? Or, or which one do you prefer? From my, I, I would say from my experience, I do like base class setup, for example, base test. You put all, all the configuration you can share, great. Maybe something between methods, great. But if I need to set up a flow for my test and I need to, on every service or every dependency, I need to set up uh, to return some values. And this is like really taken, as I said, like quite some time. I think this is, would be an empty pattern. Like uh, share, shared things, that's great. Shared setup. But individual, when it's growing, this is already something that should, should be considered. should be separated on smaller modules, I would say. Yeah, I agree with with uh, yeah. Um, uh, my approach now is to use uh, test fixtures and and escape for the general fixture, right? The the trap is to start using the setup, the global setup, and put it all there. So now in my case, I'm using uh, specific fixtures and mainly all the time are based on behavior. I try to do it in that way, and I try to separate the sad paths with the happy paths. That's something that is very interesting uh, for when when we have a crash you know the sad path is something that is useful not, usually not uh, very well taken into account in the better world it is if i write to this direction it's going to write right and it's going to work about what happens if that if it's not writing correctly you have to take into account right and you you know you have exceptions but unfortunately unfortunately most of us don't use exceptions so we have to cover in other ways i think this anti-pattern needs uh, some context right because at unit test level if you have a very long setup, that might be a smell that your class does too much, right? And yeah, I need to set up two or three complex entities. That's not too much. You just isolate the creation of those entities in like test data builders, as you know, Francisco just mentioned. But in integration testing, I think you are going to have complex and long setups, and there's not a lot you can do besides writing some proper infrastructure so that the developer can create those setups in an easy way in a reproducible way. Uh, and what you, what you mentioned, Fran, that in your previous company, you needed you know test one to run and then test two to run because test one would create some data for test two to use. That's super normal, right? And, and to be honest, I've been on cases where that was the best we could do because if we were to clean up the whole scenario or the whole data in between tests, that would just cost us, you know, 10 more seconds per test and that would be too much. So, um, this is a problem that is going to happen. And I think the best we can do is to, again, make sure we have nice infrastructure that the code is clean enough so that the developer understands what's going on and life is complex. So I guess that in that case, it's, it's a, a matter of evaluate the payoff and decide, make a conscious decision that to, to use an anti-pattern, but just because it's beneficial for the, the speed up of running the whole suit instead of uh, half a, a smaller or, or a slower, okay, go. I would say so, right? And if I go back to the caching example, right? Maybe you want your application to have, you know, the, the cache being warmed up and you don't want to clean it for every single test method you have, right? So maybe you, you're going to have to do some things you're not so fully proud of because that's life. 
Um, but I think if it's well documented and everybody understands why this is happening, uh, then it, it's it's okay. Yeah, because otherwise we will have uh, another antibody slow pork, right? We'll have those super slow tests. Uh, I had once, you know, I had once, um, we, we were running testing pipeline and we had like unit tests and integration tests. And it was taking like two hours and there was not even that much, that many, that many tests. And that was like, not much, just the whole infrastructure was like warming up and like we bringing it up and of course it's so slow but sometimes you i don't really know sometimes how to fix this how to any any thoughts on it maybe someone had an experience with it here i think this uh those points is are really important like the automation and stuff like that to to keep the and the documentation this i think is a new point that uh, marissa said i think this documentation is really nice right you can Besides having the, the test as a self-document, we can have uh, extra doc uh, documentation to, to help us on these uh, not so uh, proud decisions, let's say, quote-unquote, not proud decisions that uh, uh, make the, the things uh, work. And then on these slow test suites, uh, this is a discussion, a whole discussion, I think, that when it takes uh, longer tests, longer to run. And uh, for our conversation here, I can relate that to, to one of the patterns here like uh, uh, it's like a, a slow poke like a pokemon i think it's interesting because i don't think like olena said like, how to, to fix that right how to, to a solution but here's that's the, the interesting part on this one because i don't think there is a fix instead i think there is a, a balance right i don't know at least from the experience that i that i that i have is in the end is to reach uh, to reach a, a balance so like to keep the feedback in check like uh, not so slow that will keep you feedback slow but also try to to do stuff that you, you have to do right so uh, stuff that you have to sometimes recycle the, the test life cycle and stuff like that yeah it's um you know i was more like not like fix it I mean, there's no silver bullet but Mauricio was uh, talking before like okay infrastructure maybe you don't need to do this maybe you need to make smaller pieces maybe like you know um what direction like would be, would be things like of course uh, I mean, some things were mentioned already but um, everyone has uh, their own approach right like the first things you're gonna look into so uh, that was very interesting for me so. well uh one thing that, uh, because we are talking about test suit and how some of them are, some of the tests are really slow, that making the whole suit going slow, and then we need to do something. Um, for me, that that sounds like we need to maintain and refactor our test suit too. And when we are working with code and with TDD, we, we know that there's a clear step of refactoring after pass the, the after make the test pass and everything. And also we have some patterns like if you find three times a repetition, then you need to refactor to that way. So do we have uh, or in your experience, is there any smell or sign that make you start to refactor your test suit to remove some of these anti-patterns? Man, that was tough. <laughs> the silence, the silence. Yeah, Fran, I think that you you nail it. Uh, I think that yeah, 
most of the the um, antipathies that we are talking about, um, uh, we are relating most of them to the test later approaches, right? And what happens when we go to test first? Everything is going to shine, or, or no? That's the problem. And um, what for my experience, right? Um, when we say that we are doing TDD, most of the time uh, we are facing to testing, not to designing. And the refactor phase of the TDD is yeah, it's like this th thing that, oh, I have a repetition over here. I'm going to remove it, right? It's, only, it's not only about repetition. It's about, about intent. For example, when we were talking about excessive setup, we should start using model factories and creators and custom creators and things like that. That, in my, in my experience, what I have lived is like we, were, we, don't, we didn't have the skills to do that because we were starting to, to know how properly how to properly how to put in, in practice and a, and a proper architecture so it's quite difficult to to uh, to to have the nose for that smell you know it's only in my case it has been only by pain i will have to have I, maybe the, the thing is to have some someone that it's it has the the proper experience near to you and tell you you know you are going to end in a bad road if you go ahead <laughs> something like that but yeah I also think that, uh, like you said before, but about um, this our habit, I mean, developers' habit of uh, optimizing and like, you know, removing the duplicates and like sometimes we are getting obsessed with this as, and like one line is the same as, let's, let's do this, let's, let's make it common. Uh, but with testing, that's not, that's not true, that's true, we shouldn't do this because tests should not like, you know, uh, share in like yeah. I mean there's going to be slight uh, changes uh, in, in in the logic or like how the test should work and what then you will start again duplicating changing like it's just too much over overdoing you know over mm. so, yeah, sometimes we better <laughs> let it let it be separate let it be duplicated but yeah it also depends on the I would say on the on the case on the sizes of it I mean really obviously there's like a complete copy paste then maybe that makes makes sense. When you said, what triggers you to refactor a test, friend? I was trying to, you know, look at in my mind and trying to, you know, think of what type of tests I hate or what, what I aim for my tests. And I think to me, something I try to pay a lot of attention is about readability and comprehensibility of my test code, right? So I'm not talking about the test case itself, what it tests, but more like how it is expressed in code. Because to me, what happens a lot is, you know, I read a hundred tests before finding the one that I care about and I, I don't read them. I skim through them, right? And I would love when I skim through them and I quickly understand, yeah, this is testing this. I don't care. Next, right? And this is something that I try to refactor a lot in my in my test code that is, again, easy to understand. And I think on, uh, yeah, that's uh, a good point uh, to refactor on that, um, to change that. But... Uh, then in the TDD that uh, we have this specifically uh, section of refactor, right? I think there is some. Sometimes I, I also relate that to, for example, when we need to refactor and uh, it costs uh, some, I have to change uh, to make, let's say all the, the tests to to let's say uh, fit some scenario. I think this also can lead to some. Uh, I don't like that there was smell, but this is uh, sometimes it's also like uh, an intention that is something is not correct and can later on uh, 
leads to to those uh, testing antipatterns. So I think that I can relate to to that as well on, on my my experience. Do you, uh, we have talked before about uh, uh, TDD as a way to to design and TDD as a way to to test? Uh, do you think that uh, depends of what is the approach that we are taking? It leads to uh, generates more anti patterns, or it doesn't matter. I think I, <laughs> I don't want to be too much opinionated. Uh, I have a strong. I, I have a, a be, be opinionated, that. man. It, it's okay to have uh, different opinions. That's. I mean, it's totally. It's totally I, right. I, want, I mean, I see. I see that uh, we have a. Um, the TDD is a way. Uh, I think if we start to 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 say about like TDD that forces us to to write tests, I think this makes easier uh, to avoid those patterns, right? Because you start, you change your mind, you shift what you're thinking to accommodate the test and then how you're going to, to expose your, your implementation to the test and how you, you can do that. But on, on the other hand, if this some, sometimes this does not fit the bill, so if it's not feel comfortable, on the other side, we have the, let's say, test later. So you do the implementation and you uh, write everything and then afterwards you test, right? But then this can bring you back to this this cycle that uh, can shows you uh, brings you to all these anti patterns that we are talking here uh, talking here about, and I don't know if we if TDD uh, if not TDD I think the question here my point is if not TDD and not test later then uh, what then right if you're not doing TDD to accommodate your your code so what then right I think I think this is my 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 think what I'm I'm trying to think about. I think it's a hard, a tough, a tough one. Sorry, sorry to, to cut down your. I, I'm your seeing question. a couple of a couple of faces that are uh, that are looking for jumps. Yeah, go, so please, yeah, yeah, please go, go, go on. Go ahead, please. Well, in the embedded world, we can say that is plug and pray. Yes, it's like let's see <laughs> what happens. Let's pray. Uh, yeah, suffering in my in my experience, suffering, lot of debugging, and uh, praying that everything is going to work. Uh, well, uh, go, going to the Fran Fran's question. Um, I think that there's a little difference when, well, in my case, in my experience, I it took to me a little bit of time to realize that TDD is a, test, is a develop, uh, design and development technique. When I started, what I what I wanted is to 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 counteract the the liar, right? This is the very first the, the public enemy number one. I want to have a comprehensive comprehensive suite of tests. It doesn't matter if we have the giant or I have the excessive setup because I was not even aware of that. But I wanted is to have a comprehensive suite of tests. That's one point. But in order to go to the other phase, to, to take the important of the refactor phase, you have to go to another stage. And the, then is when you are really doing TDD and not before. You know, in, in my case, uh, well, it has been uh, very, very illuminating, very enlightening to see some talks, one from Sandro Mancuso. And about the TDD leads to good design, and another one from Ryan Cooper. That is TDD, where did it go? Everything goes wrong, right? And it really it made me, it blew my mind. It's like, okay, I was lost. Yeah, um, it's not, I also uh, sort of quite liked it. Um, I think it was also about design and testing. Like, it's maybe it also depends on how 
deep you go with one or another, if you just concentrate it to, to write all your tests to cover somehow the design approach, then you don't have all the use cases covered. Then you don't have your business logic is actually not stable and it's not protected like uh, from changes. On the other hand, if you are concentrating too much on your tests, um, like you just uh, basically covering like every every possible like now value zero value interesting this this is and you're just like losing your focus again yeah. you're again overdoing instead of concentrating on the flow of the business logic how it works you might have problems with design might maybe not but you're definitely introducing too much unnecessary code and uh, just being obsessed with the things which are not even like needed at all so I guess. Balance. <laughs> we were talking before about balance. So, <laughs> okay, I'm pretty sure that Mauricio has something to add to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're all, you know, talking so well about the test-driven development community. Maybe it's my time to bash it a bit, <laughs> uh, because you know, I, I do like you know TDD as a design tool, and then in those talks, I sometimes listen, you know, and a very nice side effect of test-driven development is that you tested your code. That's BS, <laughs> right? You didn't because testing means looking for bugs. And you, when you're doing test-driven development and you are implementing the production code, you're not really exercising all the boundaries, right? At least I never saw someone doing test-driven development and then implementing the case and then thinking, okay, I just wrote a boundary there. Let me exercise the on and off points or do boundary analysis here. No one does this when doing test-driven development. You just go for the next you know, challenge challenging thing from maybe a design perspective or an implementation perspective. Uh, I, I saw Francisco raising uh, the hand there, so maybe he does it, but I don't think that's the, the normal behavior among TDD practitioners. So I feel like we should definitely separate both things. One is let's use testing to guide design and you know implementing and ref refactor with confidence and testing, which is let's properly exercise the source code to really look for one in a million bugs and I cannot see TDD helping me on this, to be really honest. I really prefer the practices you see in, you know, books from software testing from the 70s. That's testing for me. Uh, and this didn't get to industry for some reason. We can, we can stay in the middle and decide that TDD is for documentation. That's <laughs> <laughs> private information. Okay, so, uh, okay, Mateus, go on. Yeah, no, no, I just had uh, a really interesting topic. So on that show, on the same line, what do you think about uh, the, the books that say about uh, using TDD that, uh, to avoid debugging or using TDD as debugging? So do you think it's the same thing like, or this uh, should, shouldn't be the, the goal, let's say, of this, this approach? That's uh, for me? Mateus. Yes, yes, yes. That's like you just uh, pushing back on French. Yeah, test driven development as a debugging tool. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think if that works for you, that's that's super nice, of course. I, I think my main point is testing is finding bugs. That's why you do testing, because you want to find bugs before they happen in production. This is testing, right? Okay. And I don't see like books on test driven development explaining to me how to be super thorough in creating test case test cases, for example. Right, and th this is testing. So I feel like those books need to be complemented with this. That's a good point. Yeah, well, Mauricio, uh, when you say testing, are you talking, for example, for boundary testing or or property-based testing and things like that, and uh, or in order to increase the uh, sad paths on the corner cases that you want to test that maybe are not uh, not put in place where where 
TDD was followed. Is what is what is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what I mean is, you want to find bugs, right? And you're going to find bugs if you find inputs that really crash your program. Mm -hmm. How do you find those inputs? And you know, it's very easy to write code that works for the happy path, but the bugs will happen in crazy inputs that are super hard to be uh, thought when you also have other things in your mind, like implementing or thinking about class design. Hmm. I think that you have said something interesting. Even I, I will use a different wording. When you say that the testing is for finding bugs, I, I, I'm more aligned or to use the word, the wording that used the, the Agile testing manifesto, that uh, testing is for prevent bugs over finding bugs. So linking that with another of my favorite practice that is paid programming, and uh, understanding the QA or the QA engineer role as a as a more holistic approach than the you know the manual QA. How is in your experience, or or what do you think about to uh, pair a developer with a QA engineer using TDD to prevent these bugs? Is it will help to also prevent some of the test anti pattern? I had this experience. I personally was a developer, which was paired with a key engineer. And it was amazing. It was really great because she don't care about how fast I want to, I want to finish my task or whatever story. She's interested in uh, quality and like covering her use case. And, and um, yeah, she was doing tests. I was writing code for this and we were working amazing. We, we really, um, reduce the amount of bugs actually by this approach we tried it only like two of us like there was a whole team but we decided to try it and it was uh, very a bit slower because of course it takes time to adjust and so on but definitely also gave me some insights on how they think how they see the system how they like what's what drives them when they create test cases so my opinion it's good not always applicable but but good <laughs> I think that it's shifting the QA to the right. To right, it's always in time. It's always left in time. It's always good. I think is I, I I haven't had in that situation till now. I would love it to to experience it. Um, and by the way, what I have been more conscious or more strict with myself and my colleagues, where I teach them, is like okay, we are going. The only thing that we need is to have the cause effect. To go to the red to the green in the TDD. Let's go into the extreme. This is why we have the three lows, three lows or four lows if we add the the transformation premise. And from when we are in red and in green, let's add mutation testing and see if we have introduced anything else that it was not supposed to be there. For sure, this is not perfect. This, there is no silver bullet, but it helped a lot to our teams when we they are starting, even doing this test later, and also when we they started to jump into TTD. That's what I have faced. To your question, Fran, I obviously it's a it's a good idea and it should it should be the, the way to do it. I don't see any waste there. The waste the waste the waste is debugging. The bugging is a shame. Yeah. I, I work for a company uh, where all the computers had two keyboards because they really wanted people to do a lot of pair programming, right? And to me, a lot of the uh, code smells, anti-patterns that happen, they happen because, you know, you look left, you look, you look right, no one is there, and then you do git commit. But <laughs> if 
there's something else there, you know, that just makes it harder for you to, you know, really go for the workarounds. Um, if there's a better option, then you're going to look at, you know, your peer and then say, yeah, let's go for it. It's going to take 10 more minutes, but it's going to be much better, right? And this, so pair programming always worked super well for me. And I feel the same now, you know, with people pushing code reviews as a first-class citizen, you know, people really doing this uh, in the last years. Because that's the same, you know, that a peer will review their codes. So you think twice before, you know, Git commits something that is not super, super nice. Well, yeah, this one. This, sorry, this aspect, but you need to, to look in the eyes, this person. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think it's also <laughs> quite important. Sorry. No, I want, that's a good point. Like, um, you have a, uh, another pair, uh, even if it's not, uh, it's not a programmer, it could be anyone, right? Uh, another pair of eyes into the, the mm -hmm. work. So I wonder if someone uh, have tried to to negotiate like a uh, workaround. Look, no, no, let, let's push this. Let's let's just push. That's fine. That's fine. No, that's we fix. But um, at least in the the experience that I have, uh, it works. Uh, never, I've never done with QA, but it, it also works with uh, let's say product owners. So also people from from other areas, not just tech, but also with uh, uh, other people around the. The, the the stack which really helps like exactly on that so um working closer with Q, bqa or other uh people like oh, what about this 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 scenario right so why why are you writing code so you have the, the person so have you thought about this this scenario that could happen and stuff like that can also increase the let's say the quality quote unquote quality of the work and, and pushing forward so super nice what you're saying like bdd and product managers or whatever product owners uh i also had this thing that uh, we had the cucumber framework and product owners was sitting next to us and like we were working together in, in the park and he knows the domain he knows what he wants he knows how, how it should work i know how it should work so it was uh, also uh, also very nice experience um with the qa it was for me a bit easier because qa it's like a more technical person and sometimes product owners or like managers uh, like flying away like <laughs> let's do like this and, the, and like it's it was amplified uh but it was also interesting to see just with qi more oriented because they know how it works tech is only more oriented in the result Uh, I'm enjoying so much the conversation. Sadly, we are running out of time and uh, I would like to to uh, go through all of you to get the last insights about that, that topic. So uh, we will uh, use a reverse order of uh, we did it. So we will start with uh, Mateus. How would you summarize the, the topic or the session? What is the last thing that you want to, to say about it? Let's negotiate the uh, bugs, try to, to push, right? Uh, to our peers, look, push and run for production, uh, get commission push uh, for progression, but uh, just kidding. I think uh, what I, the, the main takeaway here, I think uh, for me, it's really nice to have a different point of view on the same subject. And also to have a, a broader uh, spectrum on the development guided, let's say guided by test, not on the software. We also talked about uh, hardware and the integration pieces. And in the end, we also talk about bringing other people, right? Uh, people that is not just writing code, but also in, uh, across other stacks. So my main takeaway is uh, it's true that to do have this technical uh, part that you're writing code and stuff like that, but the collaboration and thinking process is also important. 
thanks for everyone for joining in uh, the opportunity. Thanks, Matheus. So, Olena. You know, I, I, I think that uh, we as a developers and like everyone, we should be comfortable in what we're doing. So I would say not to tolerate when the uh, complexity and like, you know, um, increasing with time, if you feel like it's harder and harder and harder to do your job, like to write tests, it, we saw how many antipatterns there are and smells and so on. There's definitely something's going wrong. So don't tolerate, try to first analyze what's happening, try to look, maybe there is a problem happening and communicate it as fast as possible. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Francisco. My point is, uh, for me, uh, we, we, if, if people is starting, it's like, okay, let's, let's face the, let's combat the liar. Try to do it at least uh, something that you can trust, right? If it is you don't trust them, you are going to lose them, right? You trust them and when you trust them, take care of them, right? Learn how to refactor, try to pair with other people if they are if have uh, or knowledge that you don't have or even if, if it's more senior or not, QA, everything. But you have to, we have to do it. It's no, there's no other way to do it. Uh, Matthew say, if no, if we, do, if we don't do that, what are we going to do? Uh, in my case, it was praying and having namers. So I think that we should uh, go to there. So that's my, my point. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we will close with Mauricio. Um, yeah, for me, I think we could see how often those test smells, those anti-patterns happen, right? We all saw them in different shapes and forms. And we all know that once they are there, they, they will be there to stay unless you do something. And the faster you do something, the better, because if it stays for too long, it's going to grow, right? Those things never become, stay small. They grow and grow, and at some point, it's just impossible to refactor. So be merciless there and fix those anti-patterns. Thank you. I have to say that I've learned a lot this afternoon from all of you. So thank you for being here and share your, your knowledge and your experience with all of us. Um, I take away that um, is uh, we need to pay attention to how we write tests and to, to maintain our test suit in a clean way. And that also is valuable to do anything in collaboration with uh, with uh, different type of people. So um, thank you very much. I hope that all of you have enjoyed to be here. I hope that uh, uh, you, the audience, have enjoyed to, to listen in this podcast and uh, see you in the next episode of uh, Kudran Podcast. So have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.